I don't. I remember that Harry Mans Harry Mancini would uh, always keep me uh, on my toes. Uh, he would have nine separate violins playing, which I, I thought I thought was a bit light, depending on the engineer. It was frustrating. Um, but what I'll, I'll always remember about him was, um, Bert. Bert, the way uh, that a, uh, a a white person from Florida, the, the their blood would trickle off of his fist after he caved in their skull for calling him a wop, and uh, I, I'll always remember watching people die needlessly when being around Henry. And in those days, it was very fashionable to um, you know be racist mm-hmm. towards Italians. Which um, Henry didn't like at all. Um, so Bert, uh, but he knows what he's doing, and you know he was he was right about those violins. They they sounded good. Okay. Um. A, so, for everybody listening at home, uh, welcome to Bird Road. We have an interview here with uh, Bert Bacharach on the eve of his eighty uh, fifth year with us. Um, He's had such an amazing career, and uh, we invited him down to talk about it a little Most bit. people remember um, Phil Spector when they think on, on, on his career for the, the Wall of Sounds. Um, yeah. Uh, do you know as a musician, David, the Wall of Sound? Yes, uh, yes. Th- I... Three three guitars and reverb and echo and uh, textures. and Yeah, something um, along those lines. He, he he actually what I'll always remember Phil for was the um the the torture chamber in the basement of his Malibu home which he called it the wall of pound he would lure these together we'd go out at night and lure these vagrants and prostitutes into that room and he would turn he had a a, a steel um, you forged a hand crank that would slowly collapse the walls and crush them. You saw this, you saw this multiple times or just once? Uh, you only need to see it once. However, I saw it 13 times. You wow. Would, I, I, didn't, I had not heard that story you before. You take these very un- unsavory sunset strip characters and just turn them into absolute pudding but it was the 60s you know and people were were doing things like that and i mean it's phil specter it's not for me to tell him what he should or should not be doing well who else did who else did you spend a lot of time with in those um, days? i spent a, i spent a lot of time with evil knievel and uh he was just he was just a, a real child molester <laughs> This is going nowhere, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Bert Becker at recalling horrible violence from famous people that he hung out with. Is that what the premise was? <laughs> that he was just a witness to terrible, violent acts? <laughs> I don't know how much of this is usable. <laughs> I, would just leave, I would just leave it as it is. <laughs>
<laughs> I can tell exactly how much effort we put into that bit. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Q. I'm Jewish. Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. With episode number 20. We're in episode number 20. What do you think about that, Dave? Shut up. Uh, I don't care what you think. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review Bird Road Podcast. It's in iTunes. It's in Google Play. It's everywhere. Go to birdroadpodcast.com. Excuse me. Excuse me. I love how you put that in the the episode outline. Like, like we're going to forget. I will forget to tell. I will forget. That's exactly why it's in the episode outline. You simple fuck. I forget it all the time. There's a reason behind everything I do. I'm not just like, I'm not just like fiddling Dixie. I don't think that's the, the right saying. Could be. So late over here. So uh, late. No reason to be recording podcasts. This should just be our full time job. And we should wake up and bought podcasts from eight AM until two ish. If this was our full time job, how good do you think you would say we are at our job? I'd say that we're probably gonna end up running up in people's houses. So this is the twentieth episode of Bird Road. The twentieth episode. Didn't you just tell me that your mom had no idea that you were doing this, and she was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> like you, you, she had no idea. Pretty She's much. like, "Oh, you're still working on that thing." Oh. <laughs> well, she asked me now for the last two weeks since she's found out about it. Like she's always like, "How did it go?" And you know, <laughs> like she's always asking questions. Did Q fuck it up like a fuck face? <laughs> She still hasn't heard it though. I, I haven't set her up with. Any I don't know. It's really hard to like introduce podcasts into old people's like yeah existence. It's, it's very difficult. It's a strange medium for anybody who didn't grow up with the internet. I mean, even just using an app in the first place to get something. Yeah, like using an app, kind of using an app as an aggregator to get some sort of content is just already weird. If yeah. if it's if it's a thing like you know what old people are good with old people are good with um like if it's the New York Times app or the CNN app they're good right. at dealing with that single flow of of content from like one source but right. you're telling them like oh this is a thing that's going to open up a world of other things to you it's yeah. going to be a you know you can you can tailor the types of things that you want or just specifically go get one or two or pluck them out of of those things and oh yeah you don't read them they're um you know, they their audio. Yeah. And how much Any, does it cost? It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> so how do they make money? They don't make money. <laughs> they don't. They spend money to do it. Or or no, I love when people just like I love whenever I'm in a um in my in my in my day job, I am um frequently called upon to like be pitched right like a, a lot of brands or companies come and they give us their pitch because they want us to come to understand what it is that they do before they engage with us as their communications firm right so like they'll they'll tell us what their pitch is and they'll be like this is how we do our job now for some companies it's really simple right like like Lyft, I know we know what their business is. Like, okay, it's Lyft. But for some, it's a little more complicated, right? And it's like, okay, well, how does the revenue happen? And especially for the tech startups, because it's like more about the idea and that whole thing. Like, make something cool, and then money will just appear. And the one of the funniest 
little tropes in those situations that I always I have to excuse myself from the room and go like laugh outside is when they just have like this weird indistinguishable um, business plan of a product or a service that somehow wends its way through some complicated uh, delivery mechanism to a, a set of consumers and then they're like and then they just have the word advertising like they're just gonna put advertising on it and i'm like okay that should work out great <laughs> yeah that, that tells the story i had an idea once for a skit where it was like a bunch of people like at a imagine like the 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 nasa off the nasa computer desks in um in, in houston right sitting around a bunch of people sitting around like computers um just kind of lazily waiting for something to happen and an alert comes through on one guy's laptop and he like kind of perks up and he's like guys 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 everybody everybody wake up it, we got our first ever purchase off of a banner ad like in the history of the internet somebody clicked on a banner ad and bought the thing that it was advertising and everybody freaks out cuz they don't know what to do because right. no one's ever fucking done that no, of course not <laughs> it's like so it, whenever i see that i'm like you know how hard it is to make money through an advertising model, it shit just doesn't happen, man. It, there's yeah. no money there. I don't think anybody makes money off anything anymore. I mean, that's what it comes down to. No, it's it's just like there's all the money that's already good, that's been made has been made, and it's just <laughs> sitting out there. All the value that's been made has been it, that will ever be made has been made, and it's just sitting there. And all you do now is just a game of like pinochle, where you go around like kind of shifting the cards around and you know you come uh, to one venture capitalist or to some investor or something and they have their own ulterior motives their own reasons for giving you like a million bucks it has nothing to do with their faith in your idea ever making money it's about some specific benchmarks that they need to reach on some balance sheet somewhere and they're like oh well we need to have 10 million dollars invested with Gen X Jews by end of 2018. So just give this guy that money. And it's like, if only I could find that one. Yeah, that one guy. So you could finally finance your upside down pool. Should I not talk about the upside down pool? <laughs> I don't know if we should uh, let that. Let that I don't want to let the upside down pool yeah. idea slip. Let's just keep that to know. ourselves for now. We'll bank yeah. that one for later. Um, so welcome back. Uh, we're a day late today because I just didn't want to record last night. I'm really tired. I gotta go traveling all over the fucking place, and I just don't feel like it. And I'm really tired. What are you up to, Dave? What do you got? I am working on my new album. Very, uh, I'm really like getting into it right now, which has been very excited, exciting, and um, just trying to work out the kinks of this podcast with you. Which... This has been quite the challenge. Actually. Beautiful, it's yeah, wonderful. I mean, I, Even still, we haven't figured it out. I know. It's it's. I I really feel like uh, here coming on the twentieth episode. I mean, we I just keep like getting worse. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like it's like it, it's getting better and worse at the exact same mostly time. worse. <laughs> mostly worse, but <laughs> I don't know. I I think we're I think we're becoming more entertaining, kind of, but. I think we're impossible to uh, uh, to listen to because it's just a mess every week. I don't know. Hopefully, uh, last hopefully now that we're off recording, maybe the last two or three weeks together. must have sounded so bad. I mean, you I know, know what actually sounded great and was our our, our sort of our nadir mm-hmm. uh, was um, the live show sounded yeah. incredible. 
know. And it had so many things wrong with it. Like there was a fucking helicopter over the top of us for hours that night. <laughs> just like literally a helicopter was f- maybe 50 feet over us and just hovering for like a solid 30 minutes. And um yeah, and that show sounded great. Everybody well, sounded wonderful. What, what's what's the what's the big difference aside from it being live? I don't care anymore. No, the big difference is that we weren't using this goddamn software to uh, connect long distance between the two of us. Yeah, I don't know, though. I think last week we pretty much came to the conclusion. I'm cutting all this because I don't care about this. This People must be getting sick of hearing our software complaints and our equipment <laughs> complaints at this point. But I don't think, I mean, like, I, I think it was more this shitty MacBook that I have. Because um, I put it back on this MacBook Pro this old that's like four five years older this macbook pro of mine that i have and this thing's a trooper are you hearing any crackling or snapping or anything i'm not i'm not hearing anything so i mean that must be the case macbook is terrible i know my little fucking and the recessed keyboard have you ever typed on my macbook like have you seen how the keys are like the the keys are like paper thin like in terms of you know the satisfying I don't know how to put it, but like the ergonomics of the keyboard yeah. when you when you push down on a key, you feel it go depress yeah. and it feel you feel it pop back up and you know that you hit the key. It, this MacBook doesn't have that. It has it's like a sensor pad. It's like the thing that like Tom Hanks was dancing on in Big, the fucking <laughs> the piano where like it doesn't actually go down. It's just like a sensor and it doesn't Yeah, that's terrible. Now that both of the shift keys stop working at once. So now I have to become really adept at um, like sort of quick tapping of the caps lock key to use shifting. And it's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. So do we have any news to cover this week? That's a good question. Um, Tonight, we have some pretty big news coming out of Florida. Uh, The 72nd, the, uh, the, the state house. District number 72, which is like um, Sarasota area, I guess just south of um, just south of Tampa, is has new representation. Uh, Margaret Good upended Vin Buchanan for district number 72 in the state house. And you might say, oh, well, it's just a state house. But uh, the fact is, it's a kind of a big deal because this is a Republican dominated seat here in Tallahassee up in up in the state capitol and um it's it's crazy that she won it because it hasn't even been close in recent Trump won that district by a huge amount um and it, it it's it's pretty republican area now i think that they she probably benefited quite a bit from low turnout because it was a special election but if you look at this sort of totality of all of these special elections and state state house races that are happening across the um, across the country. This is the 36th such win for Democrats. So, I mean, I'm wondering if it if it bodes well or if it's more of a, a byproduct of the limited turnout. Now, usually in limited turnout races, Republicans dominate. Uh, that's not happening right now. So. I don't know. It's it's a little bit of a harbinger. What do you think? I think it's a little bit of a harbinger, at least. What do you think? Well, I mean, I don't know what the the uh, situation is down there in Florida or anything, but I mean, it sounds like good news. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody, 
pretty much we've talked about this before. Everybody in Florida is is pretty. Any Democrat in Florida is pretty centrist. I mean, there's no, there's no like some of, some of our friends that you know like like Amy Valella or, or or like a Bernie Sanders or a um you know uh, a Michael Weiss. There's nobody like that out here per se who's being taken even with a modicum of seriousness. Right. So right. you know. You kind of got to settle for what you what you can get. Uh, I I still have a firm belief that there is a reservoir of progressive sentiment in Florida that's untapped, where people have convinced themselves, consultants and everybody who's advising potential candidates and anybody who throws their hat in the ring and wants to be taken seriously or wants to be, you know, seen on on a national stage by the national party or even by their local party. Oh well, you're gonna to have to modify your opinions, or you're gonna to have to find a centrist area because that's what Florida wants. I kind of think that's bullshit, and I think that it's a it's a big premise level mistake that that they're making, um, assuming that. Uh, I don't know much about Margaret Good to be honest with you, and from her position in the Florida State House, a lot of the issues that we talk about, which are sort of federal wider lens issues. I don't think she's going to have a huge effect on them. And Tallahassee is frankly still just like a, a sewer, just crawling with Republican gutter snipes that is not one 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 house flip is not going to change that. Um, it Just the way that this state is structured and then just the way that the outlying sort of rural areas tend to be overrepresented. Um, on a district by district level, it's really unlikely that even even though there are more registered Democrats in Florida, it's unlikely that they're that they'll ever actually hold a majority in the House, <clears throat> in their in their own state house. So, it's good to have a, a voice dissenting with with the current conservative voice and somebody sure. who's willing to. But I mean, look at look at our boy Doug Jones up there in, in Alabama. That guy's already voting like a Republican. I mean that guy is that guy has like a stronger Trump score than some actual Republicans. So, you know, it really depends. Who do they feel? These people that get, that flip districts or flip Senate seats, or you know, whether it's national or on the state level, who do they feel are the people that put them in office by voting for? continuing resolutions and things like that does Doug Jones and, and falling in line with a Republicans on so many on so many issues does Doug, Doug Jones think that he's representing those you know record number of black women that showed up to vote him in I, I don't think that that he is right I mean that's probably not what they wanted they probably didn't want him furthering the Republican agenda um, those that record number of, of of black female voters who showed up to to basically put him into a, a one in a million seat that he definitely had no right to be even within the same ballpark as as, as achieving so uh, as winning. So, you know, I look at a person like Margaret Good. This is a much smaller thing. This is not the United States Senate. This is a, a House district sure. race in Florida. But um, still. It's it's a harbinger. I think nobody wants to be in charge. Is my thing. I don't think anyone wants to be in charge. I think that um, it's got to be hard to be in charge right now. 
it's hard to be in charge if if you were the if you're a democrat party if you're the democratic party and you get clear majorities in the house and senate all of a sudden the conversation is hey okay we're there now let's enact our policies shamelessly the way that the that the gop just got done enacting their policies shamelessly let's and the base is going to say let's do medicare for all the to the the Democratic Party is terrified of that. I mean, in another piece of news, we saw the um, uh, healthcare, uh, the uh, United States of Care, ridiculous astroturf garbage organization that just uh, launched a week ago. Um, that is filled with a bunch of centrists and so-called Democrats and and uh, red meat Republicans, uh, former hardcore right-wingers like well still right-wingers but formerly elected formerly occupying elected position people like bill frist and and all of them getting together to come together and say hey let's get politics out of healthcare, and also let's not go crazy with this whole medicare for all thing come on guys because if you read through all the if you read through all the politicians who are on that united states of care site uh, who are who are part of their advisory panel? You go a little bit further, or part of their board of directors. You go a little further down, and you see who their council of advisors are, and it's just healthcare executive, healthcare executive, healthcare executive, former healthcare executive, healthcare executive, and uh, like a and solid forty of them. No, of course not, dude. Like, I do think, and I heard somebody say that um, that it's a good sign, which is to say that to see this much money being put behind a astroturfed organization getting um former HHS guy uh Andy Slavitt the guy who kind of came in and 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 fixed up the uh quote unquote fixed up the uh healthcare.gov website and um you know to to to, to reach so far and get all these high priced names and put all these people on this very slick organization that is very clearly well funded um it means they're scared and that's awesome that's fucking great it's great that they're scared they fucking should be scared because 64 percent of people right now want medicare for all and that's only the beginning it it won't it won't really come to an end until it won't really be achieved until healthcare uh, free healthcare at the point of purchase is at the at, at the free healthcare at the point of care is realized so that's good fine you know what let them astroturf a little shitty organization and get dragged on twitter and get made fun of and let john favreau from pod save america i I know you went there the other night and saw those guys but like though this motherfucker man i'm so close to to like canceling my subscription to that podcast because it was sort of like therapy for the weak-minded after the election but now this guy's, uh, these guys are sort of falling in with this whole fucking Andy Slavitt United States of Care centrist branding. Well, they they had uh, Jackie Rosen on as their uh, guest. Oh yeah, perfect, perfect, <laughs> perfect. And I'm sure she was like, "Let's, I'm, I'm not prepared to go to United to, uh, to, to Medicare for all. Uh, that's, that's an extreme position. Let's be reasonable and let's be realistic. Let's be, let's be adults. I love how that's the thing." Where incredible, I've, I've talked about Tim Faust before on this podcast. Incredible follow, or just a guy to like, you know, read up on if you are into this topic. He's the most knowledgeable guy that I've heard. And also, like, 
kind of really gets you with the way that he engages, the, the way that he expresses his ideas made the great point of like, if you want to talk like adults and talk about like a sustainable model of healthcare that can actually survive all the whims of the political uh, seasons that come and go, Medicare for all is the one because that's the one that can't be fucked with. Everything that can be fucked with about Obamacare is all of the concessions that they've had, that they had to make or that they chose to make to the healthcare industry. That's the entry point in. The weak points of it are all the private sector nods to to healthcare. Letting health insurance companies have uh, sort of control the narrative by raising and lowering premiums at a whim to 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 get negative and positive headlines about about the about the uh, the, the the structure of the of the um, of the law. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. Why do you need them? They don't need yeah. to be a part of this. So yeah, there's absolutely no reason for them to be a part of the equation at all. It's just it's just the way it's been and nobody seems to want to let that end. No, of course not because you can astroturf to, you can scrape together millions of dollars and and come up with like a slick marketing campaign and I mean like at this point I've heard four or five of my favorite progressive podcasts already and and like writers on on different websites rip apart this uh this this organization way better than i could ever do it so there's i mean like fuck go listen to chapo or go listen to like any of those guys because they'll tell they'll do it way better than i can but uh, than we can't but it's it's ridiculous and i do think it's a good thing because i do think it means that they're fucking scared because why else would they feel the need to basically put together an astroturf public relations campaign it reminds me so much of the tea party the tea party was this made-up invented bullshit funded by the Koch brothers to make it look like it was a grassroots campaign of real Americans coming together to get over politics and to, you know, bullshit. That's not what we all know that that's not what it was. Same thing with this United States of care. The one thing that they are in their sort of centrist neoliberal way of, of um, being so embracing of ideas that work and things that are, um, you know, logical and and things that uh that they think are are reasonable and and talking like the adults in the room. The one thing that they uh have managed to exclude and to say up front is that things like Medicare for all, free health care at the point of purchase, those things are unrealistic. So let's mm-hmm. stop talking about those and let's start talking about the things that make sense. You tune these people out. Tune them out. There's no reason to listen to them. So. Um. Yeah, that's kind of the news. And you know, you look at a person like Margaret Good back in Florida, and and she's probably going to end up. You know, if she does well, if she doesn't get wiped off the map by a Republican, which that area by all by all rights should be Republican. I mean, it is Republican Sarasota, so might end up going to Congress. I mean, that's kind of the path in Florida. There's very much minor leagues that feed. <clears throat> that feed the uh, the the federal you know the 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 Congress the congressional candidates um, on a federal level. So I don't know. We'll see what kind of people we're we're putting out here. I still think we should put out some like hardcore wild left wing people just to fucking mix things up a little bit. So what do we got? What do we got? Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. Why are you pushing me? Why don't you fucking tell me what we got? <laughs> well, what we got is our next installment of Do I Have To? 
That's our, right. Uh, our, I guess we'll do it every other episode, probably. Or I don't know. I think it's like every month or something like that, right? Yeah, once a once a month. That's fucking like when we plan. can, dude. Fucking yeah. when we can. When we can. Well, yeah, we we made each other uh, do something. Uh, I think we're gonna keep trying different kinds of. Is there somebody playing? Is, is there a dog crying to you? I think Gina's playing with the cat. Oh, okay. All right, that's yeah. what it was. <laughs> I heard like a. <laughs> so this week, um, why don't we start off with me, okay. uh, Dave? Tell me what you made me do. Tell me about the the shit you you forced upon me. I made Q listen to my favorite album of 2017, which is the Nashville Sound by Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. And uh, what do you think? Yeah. Do you hear it? I hear it. <laughs> this uh, this is a good album, man. It's it's good, but it it was it's funny because it got me um. Look, I'm not in the headspace for this kind of music right now, which you clearly are. You're like oh, yeah. in a weird, sad place. <laughs> well, I mean, you remember my, my favorite growing up, it was always The Cure. So, I mean, I've always been in the sad music headspace, but I think the music I listen to now is sad in a different way. It's just like heartbreakingly sad. So, like, first, <laughs> just speaking to the substance of the album, you recommended specifically the track um, if, if We Were Vampires, which is a which is great and really sad, like melancholy, mm-hmm. fun, you know, because the lyrics are like quirky and weird, which I like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when the, it, it's a very folky album. It's, um, yeah. it's reminds me of sort of like, it's, it's, it's Bruce Springsteen-y, like in terms of uh-huh. the songwriting, um, but the more like um, Atlantic City type Bruce Springsteen, not the sure. Born to Run Bruce Springsteen, you know. Right, exactly. It's uh, album and all that. Yeah, exactly. So, I like that. That's my Bruce, that's my kind of Bruce Springsteen. I actually kind of prefer that to you know, the the top forty stuff of his. Um, one standout I would recommend, and I think I might have told you this on 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 um, on on chat on uh, G chat, was the song uh, "Chaos and Clothes" is brilliant. Yeah. It's an incredible song. Um, one of the best songs I've heard all year. Uh, it does something, and I don't know, maybe you can explain it more from a composer's perspective, but it does this sort of warp effect where it, it, you feel like you're sort of stepping into the last few minutes of a horror movie, almost like it goes from being this very sweet, sa- uh, sweet, a little sappy song to being about kind of failure and uh, and and things falling to pieces. And at that time... At that moment in the song, he sort of the 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 score sort of introduces this weird warp effect that makes it sound like you're kind of losing your mind a little bit, and it's just a really interesting thing that they do with the with the with the texture of the sound. Yeah, well, it's I, I think most likely a, a band like Dad's using all like real old school analog gear and stuff to to create those kind of effects. And um, I mean, it's I, I know like specifically what you're talking about is like some kind of a chorus effect. Um, is what it actually is. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's, it's an awesome song. And also, I, I forget if I told you this. I think I did, but that song is actually kind of a diss on Ryan Adams. Yeah, you uh, did tell me that. It, one of my favorite artists. How, how is that? Like, what what is it yeah. that's being said in that song that is supposed to be against uh, Ryan Adams? So who, ba- yeah. basically, a lot of those lyrics are because they they become really good friends. They tour together. They uh, cover each other's songs and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if he's it, Ryan Adams has a a, a very uh, uh, a, a reputation for you know back when he was on drugs and all that being you know a real mess and you know somebody that was well, really and this, hard to this guy around. was this guy was on drugs until 2012 yeah, right he was yeah. he was uh he had to have an intervention with another very famous artist whose name i can't remember right now off of his wikipedia page it, it, it's actually ryan adams that's oh, that's who it was? Who it was? Okay, who, all right. Yeah, cool. that's who got him into... I, I read the, somebody uh, else's name. Oh, no, I read his wife's name. Because I yeah, guess this guy's, this guy's wife, Jason Isbell's wife, is a very um, no, well-regarded uh, violinist, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. she's amazing. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, they got clean together and all that. And, but I, I guess, you know, over the past year or something, you know, Ryan Adams must be kind of turning into a bit of a pain in the ass again. <laughs> and so, you know, the song is pretty, you know... Like he says, you know, you've got the past on your breath, my friend. You know, it's like yeah, pretty great way of saying like, you know, you better be careful because, you know, it seems like the wheels are kind of coming off again, you know? Yeah. Um, and then like, okay, I guess a lot, I of, a, a I lot of those, a lot of the lines are like specific things. Also some, uh, uh, some references to Ryan Adams lyrics that are like for a fan would totally get, um, like, uh, I see a burning Ferris wheel, the meanings anybody's guess, which is uh, a burning Ferris wheel is like imagery in one of Ryan Adams most like drug infused songs, you know? Um, so there's like little bits and pieces like that. Um, and I don't know if he crashed a car or not, but I mean, that's part of it. Seems the like he should have. <laughs> yeah. It seems like something that would have happened. Um, another thing I found out on his Wikipedia page is that he's exactly two days younger than me. Isn't that interesting? How about that? Jason and, and, Isbell. And your Two wife days is also an acclaimed uh, violinist. <laughs> My wife is, yes, one of the greatest violinists ever to live. That's true. <laughs> um, so, no, but, okay. So, to the specifics of the album. G- great album. Good listen. Uh, like, again, I would caveat by saying I'm not in the headspace to listen to it. I, like, about halfway through listening to it, I, like, <laughs> I needed something so different that for some reason I put on Rick Astley and listen to that for like 20 minutes and then got back into it i like i needed to go the complete opposite weird fucked up dumb direction i feel like if i feel like if you tweeted that at him he would love it because he's like really active <laughs> on twitter and is actually really funny and uh he posts a lot of funny shit on there i think he would love that comment <laughs> yeah so um I, I did that and i have that in my notes here but i uh okay so it brings up a bigger existential question about the way we perceive music and that's what i was thinking of while i was listening to this categorization people like you uh i don't want to like pigeonhole you but people's tendency generally not just you but people's tendency generally to find categories and subcategories to place things in all these little buckets that things have to fit into and Mm. i look at just the other night i was talking um with my wife about kendrick lamar right Mm. and unimpeachably probably one of the most positively thought about musicians of the modern era right a rapper is he a rapper he's not a, i mean like i listen to that and that 
nothing, whether I like it, whether I don't, whether I find a lot of his stuff kind of, you know, again, maybe my ears are old, you know, at, thir- right. at, at 39, your ears start to get old. You don't know you what's good old. anymore. And yeah, exactly. So fuck that. I'll wear it. You know, let me have a bigger paycheck and I'll gladly take <laughs> old ears. You know, I'll gladly have like, you know, comfortable living in exchange for not knowing what's cool anymore. But um, still, I hear Kendrick Lamar and just empirically that doesn't sound like rap to me it sounds like some sort it sounds like um jodeci or something i don't know it doesn't sound like <laughs> it doesn't sound like rap it sounds like a some sort of like weird r&b fusion situation happening right. but that's rap now like right even like even migos doesn't sound like rap to me and i actually right. i like migos a lot this sounds like fucking country music dave and i think yeah. here's my point that i'm trying to that i'm that i'm sort of dancing around here a guy like this calls himself folk, and his fans who like him call himself call themselves fans of folk, and they 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 co-sign to him being folk, and never call him country when he pretty clearly has a country aesthetic. And I mean, I don't know what the technical things are that make a thing a piece of music country versus folk, but this is country music except for the cultural implication except for the well, fact that this guy is a rejected my southern roots now i'm a sort of hipster dude right, uh right. and my, my my cultural identity is folk not country and somehow that bleeds into the music which again in my opinion and you're a musician i'm not is empirically country music this is country music sure absolutely so well, i just think that's interesting i found that like a, a weird like falling down of walls of the way that we these buckets that we used to or these these barriers I guess that we used to use to put music into you know compartments. I actually have this exact problem with my music all the time, my instrumental music that I put out. That it, it's so hard to really classify my music because there's so many different genre names that you know could technically work. And it's like, you know, which one is is like the right one to really say. I, I actually have a blog post on my website about it um, where I, I went down like this list of all these different genres trying to like match up where my music fits. Um, but like Jason Isbell, it, like you said folk. I, I think the, the label that's most commonly applied to him is alt country. Um, oh, so, I mean, God. definitely I, I think it is just uh, that that's a thing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. A lot of, a lot of, like in you know, twenty first century Jewish Dave. A lot of the music I listen to falls into that category. Um, it, it's music that by musicians who would be country artists, but they, you know, preferred listening to REM and, <laughs> you know, and like uh, I, I don't know, The Cure and you know, New Order and shit like that. Growing up, you know. Um, and that includes both Jason Isbell and, and Ryan Adams. Uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of other Wilco, a whole bunch of other groups that would fit into that category. But okay, again, but like, but like if you, you definitely could call it folk though, like, like you said, and then like he just won best Americana album at the Grammys, which, you know, what's that then? <laughs> yeah, what, but what is that though? Couldn't yeah. like, like if 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 um you know if Bruce Springsteen was making hits right now he could be an Amer like a candidate for that of I mean course. that that didn't exist back when he was in his moment right I right mean, I don't think so I certainly so don't think uh, that, whatever that best is. Americana album like I mean you could almost find a million things that you could fit that into I mean I'm sure that there are certain hip hop albums that would maybe right. you know fall under the 
that that very broad generalized sort of marketing tool of a of a fucking the big, the big yummies uh, the big album. yummy could clearly fall <laughs> under ones, americana the sounds with the guitar and it kind of sound americana <laughs> but my point is it's like why do you think that that's happening and i have a i have a theory i have a theory that there is a sort of a collective unconscious that rises up when you start laying down algorithms as predictive measures of like what people are going to want to hear so you know that while the the sound signature of this of this song on a file level probably sounds a whole lot like a fucking jason aldean song you know that the person listening to jason isbell doesn't want to hear next up in their queue jason aldean like they're like they would be like oh this is gross this is country Oh, when yeah. it's really fucking the same thing in some ways. I mean, obviously, I think Jason Isbell's much better. Jason Aldean music is like that new country shit that is just very, uh, it's just bad. It's just so, it's, it's so just bad. so vacuous and it's um, you know empty and 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 but uh, con- not condescending, but sort of patronizing. I would say, like, sure. like all you got to do is talk about like trucks and the troops and you know yeah. and dad and your dad that was a cop and you know all this shit so like i don't know like there are these like very predictable dumb um sort of hitler youth notes that you have to hit about freedom <laughs> and about like jesus and shit like that and it's just paint by numbers music whereas jason isbell is something i mean you can say you, you like him or you don't like him but he it's clearly what he's writing and what he's doing comes from a, a deeply personal you know right, and, pro- exactly. and profound place it's not this paint by numbers new country garbage so there is a difference there but i don't know what do you think no i i think that that's a that's a really good point i i do think though that there's another reason as well um and i think it's uh partially because of how the music business has gotten to this point where there really is no um what how, what's the best way to put this <laughs> there's no crossing over anymore really for for most music um nobody is getting big anymore nobody nobody that's doing anything interesting is you know uh, crossing over into that pop realm of actually making lots of money and selling lots of tickets and selling lots of CDs so i think that the um uh, the appeal of of you know the quote unquote selling out and just doing the same old shit. I don't I don't think there's really any reason for it anymore. Which for artists like this, it's like th- there's no reason for them to change what they're doing. They can they can keep in that personal space of writing music that really is what they want to be making. And, and I don't think there, there's really any uh, reason for them to switch. And I think that that has well. It's it's it like well. the, the real way to the real way to um. Okay, like mainstream big time success, whatever that means anymore, has mm-hmm. become so unattainable, right. and so unlikely that the path of uh, success, moderate success, you know, having gold records or whatever. I don't even know what the equivalent of that is anymore. Like a fucking, <laughs> I don't know, a silicon. A microphone or something like what is what, like or a silicon laptop like what is or, I don't know like whatever purple the equivalent a purple playlist whatever the whatever <laughs> the equivalent is of getting a gold record is, these days is um you know 
to just like get one or two of those and build out a decent career for yourself in your niche, right? And that the same thing goes across all types of content. Podcasting is the same way. Like right. we're not trying to be some big fucking general interest podcast like that millions of people are going to listen to because who who would even know how to do that? Like right. it's exactly. the weirdest shit catches on when it comes to that stuff. Fucking WTF. The fuck new people would want to hear that? And, yeah. and and then a million copycats come and they just do the same shit and nobody listens to it because WTF already fucking hit that chord. And if you don't know what that chord is that's going to be the big, huge breakout thing, then just fucking do your thing. Exactly. Do your little niche. And, and you know, if you're, uh, you know, some little nerd writing about the, you know, aggregation of, um, of different... Uh, different political surveys and polling shit one day the new york times is going to hire you and you're going to come up with 538 and then one day espn is going to give you 50 million dollars to to do 538.com and your little weird niche of of uh of of polling if uh, you know counting up different polls and, and aggregating them and shit like that all of a sudden you're nate silver and you just got you made 50 million dollars for like just your weird little niche of thing that you were already into and you didn't have to change i'm sure that nate silver i don't even fucking know what nate silver's weird background is but i'm sure that he probably got pressured or not pressured but he probably had opportunities where it was like oh well you could go be you know a night cops reporter covering crime in the city or you know you could go be um, a statistician working at a, you know, in a academic environment. You know, there's all these different other things you could go do. And he just chose to do his little weird niche thing. And it yeah. fucking blew up. Whereas the old model of like the Beatles or more recently in sync where these people almost come out of like a factory where it's like, okay, right. we we know that this thing's market tested and it's going to blow up when we drop it. I mean, I don't think that that's happening anymore. I guess maybe like One Direction is is One Direction still a thing? Like, right. If anything, there's one or two a year, and like it, it really isn't happening like it used to. And uh, yeah, I mean, Best Buy just announced they're not going to carry CDs anymore. I saw that. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. That's crazy to think <laughs> about that. It just there was something comforting knowing that Best Buy had CDs. Right. Like I didn't. I mean, like I don't even remember the last time I walked through that section, but just like knowing that they were there. Right. felt like a connection to the past these are my fucking old ears talking dude like <laughs> who cares who cares yeah. <sighs> all right we should do a do i have to where we both have to listen to kendrick lamar <laughs> i would have to... like a serious conversation about no, him. look i've told you before man i push myself to listen to this new music i work with a lot of young people uh-huh. um you know and that's how i know that's how i know people aren't listening to Bruno Mars, dude. That's some weird <laughs> astroturfing pay for play shit. There's like some, like, there's like a Mountain Dew integration uh, campaign or something. There's some other shit happening with Bruno Mars where it's like, oh, well, we got to put him on TV and do, you know, the people aren't actually listening to Bruno Mars. I'm sorry. There's nothing you can show me. And for all of you listeners out there who are going to give me shit about it, there's no metric or data that you can show me that's going to change my mind. I don't care. <laughs> People aren't listening to Bruno Mars. It's not actually really being listened to. There's a thousand machines somewhere in Romania that are just playing his streaming music on a loop to p- 
push his numbers up or something. I, I don't believe that people are listening to it. Jay Balvin, people are listening to Jay Balvin. Like people are listening to Daddy Yankee. People are listening to fucking this kid Justin Bieber. People are listening to them. I do know. I do know and believe that people are listening to Migos. I don't know who the first one was that you said. Jay Balvin. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, you fucking racist. That's why. <laughs> I would listen to a Kendrick Lamar album, no problem. I'm sure that I'm sure that like I if have I listen, listened to his newest one once. If I listen to if I listen to a Kendrick Lamar album, I bet you four or five of the songs I already know just from he has yeah. music that is that music that just penetrates into your head from all different sources. Like you walk down the street and it's playing yeah. in different places and you just you can't avoid it. It's unavoidable type music. Yeah. So let's change gears completely from this whole topic of music and the way that it works to what, what, what did I ask of you? You asked me to watch the movie The Square. Right. Yeah. Quiet movie. So, I don't think it made I don't think it made much noise last year when it came out. I don't think anyone really gave it a, a, outside of like critical circles. I don't think it was like uh, talked about. It didn't have maybe a wide release uh well, it did win the top prize at Cannes film Festival. right it won the palm door right yeah so i mean for what that's worth yeah but no, what I did you think, think most people saw it um i liked it i i didn't love it i, I did like it though um it's got some really really great moments in it um you know obviously you know the big dinner scene <laughs> what did you think about the big the big dinner scene yeah no, that, that was absolutely great and like it was um it was difficult like it, it was yeah didn't you want to put your <laughs> didn't you want to put your hands over your eyes and yeah. like not watch yeah the, no, that, that was the that part was where i was trying to say i i told to you told you um through gchat i had said something like um the parts of mother that you like i think right. you'll you'll see in this movie Right, right, yeah, definitely that scene. It has that like can't look away, like, but you're like don't want to see what happens next because you're like freaking out a little bit. No, I, I, I love that. That was great. Um, and there, there were some other really funny parts. There was also like I like the overall, you know, idea of it about you know the ridiculousness of that, you know, like pretentious art world, um, you know, which which I did like. Um, I just what about what about thing, when the what about when the chef yelled at everybody as he was explaining the meals he was explaining the cuisine that they were walking to and he was like slow down <laughs> stop and they just all had to stop yeah, if you've cool. look if you've had to spend time around that sort of like the people whose names are carved into the side of museums like their families the people yeah. who are funding things like that crowd that elite sort of elitist uh, sort of annoying look at me crowd like you recognize the smallness of them and like how how you know they they feel like they're better than all the people on the outside of the museum and anybody in the museum they have to defer to and they're just like <laughs> it's just so funny I, lo I love it it was it was really great but anyway go ahead oh no I, I was just gonna say like uh you know I liked it I I thought it was a, a little like too dry for me, um, especially during like it kind of plays out like almost like sketches or in a way or vignettes or something, um, because everything is just it's like one scene after another that like they don't always necessarily have much to do 
with each other. Um, and some of them were just so dry and just like, you know, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, they do all, uh, they definitely all add up to like an overall, um, you know, they, they add to the, the theme of the film, which, which definitely works. Um, a lot of great performances too, though. So, I mean, they're, they're all really good. Um, I don't, obviously don't recognize much of the, uh, the yeah, apart actors. from, yeah. I mean, apart from Elizabeth Moss's, you know, character, I, there, there wasn't really a lot of, um, rec- for us audiences, recognizable actors, uh, I, I I really love the guy, um, no, no, uh, notari or notary who plays the the artist, the visual, the conceptual visual artist, the performance artist who is basically a simian, is basically an ape. <laughs> I mean, he plays it so perfectly. It it, oh, it yeah. really does make the movie by itself. But um, okay, so here's my question for you about this movie. Okay. This coupled with mother. Is there a new word that we can use for this sort of new wave of avant-garde movies that are like very specifically disjointed in this? I feel like it's the same DNA. Maybe, you know, this one is a redheaded stepsister. This one's a redheaded stepbrother. You didn't like this one as much as you loved mother. Mother was like your favorite child. But they share some DNA. And they're, sure. they're, they're similar in the construction. And I think that it's probably by virtue of how much um, attention both of these movies got one more niche critical attention uh, f- through uh, through Khan uh, and the other one through just people throwing up and retching in the aisles and running out <laughs> full speed and getting huge press and I think it's fair to say you're gonna see more movies like this um, so like what is the word do we still just call this avant-garde cinema like what is this yeah, I, I mean that that does seem like the, the the right word for it, but yeah, I mean I, I I'd love to give that some thought and come up with an actual like genre name for it <laughs> because that yeah I think you're right I, I think um, especially you know with, with the way that film is now and how you know it's getting harder and harder for these movies to get seen. Um, I think seeing a lot more movies take this approach of just like really shocking the audience could be something that can, you know, help get some more attention, although it's not necessarily good attention, you know, uh, for the average moviegoer who doesn't know what to do with something like this. And and to be sure, this movie was too long. This movie was like two and a half hours. It was, it was too long. <laughs> it was yeah. wildly too long. But there were scenes of real heightened, um, you know, anticipation that reminded me again of mother uh the scene where he's going from door to door very frantically hoping he doesn't get caught shoving the notes through the the uh through the the mail slots i thought was just so great with the way that it built up like i felt at any moment that something could happen i was really on the edge of my seat for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. what do you love and what do you hate let me let me look at my my twitter feed because that's where i always save my shit I love the uh, Winter Olympics. You don't. Just, you don't fucking love the Winter Olympics. Don't be that fucking guy, dude. Don't be <laughs> that guy. I don't give the shit. only thing that I, the only thing that I respect about you and your sports opinions is that you're not one of the. You, every fucking asshole 
who is not into sports and can't wait to tell you at every opportunity how little they they regard sports who just it feels like the whole world wants to know about how little they know about sports and just can't fucking hold it in when even the topic comes up like oh i don't know anything about that but every one of them their dick gets hard every two years every every which is uh Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics, World Cup. Like, on those two years, they'll be like, oh, no, no, but I am into the World Cup. Oh, no, no, but I really do love watching that. You know, I respect you because you... I don't give a shit. You still you don't give a fuck authentically about any athletic activities. You're, you're violently opposed to all of them. And I gotta, I gotta love you for that. Like, you... Most fucking fake people who think that they're too... I don't know, hip or posh to be into the Super Bowl or into the NFL or basketball right. or, or heaven forbid, Major League Baseball. Um, they uh, they will wet their pants when they hear anything about the World Cup coming. And then they pull out their little limited knowledge of like four Serie A players or Premier League players right. that they've heard of. And they're like five little factoids that they know about them. And they can't wait to fucking like spray that little like, you know, knowledge jizz all over the fucking table. And well, there is one sporting event that I do like the puppy bowl, the puppy bowl. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) I see this this thing on on Twitter (laughs) that I liked because I'm going back and looking at the things that I liked. And there's no separation between things I liked normally and things I liked when I was drunk. And so, like, the things that I like, I, I just know that I, I clicked off on them when I was drunk. And one of them is, like, a picture of a video a video cassette. And the guy says, this video cassette I found at my grandma's house still makes me laugh so much. And it's, you know, the strip of paper, the, the sticker that you put on the top of the video the video cassette tape so that you can like write on it like what's yeah. on it it says it just says pope's funeral and then it's like crossed out and next to it it says harry potter <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's grandmother recorded the pope's funeral and then years later it was like fuck that recording harry potter over top of the pope's funeral <laughs> <laughs> oh uh anyway i'm sorry go ahead what do you love and hate dave or what just tell uh, me what you love tell me what you love okay. i love um that my girlfriend gina mazzoni our photographer from the live event my photographer for everything she was picked as uh one of the best maternity photographers in las vegas com which is, uh, I think, pretty awesome. It was a nice surprise. She had no idea that it was uh, something that was going to That's happen. incredible. That's yeah. great news. Yeah, so I just uh, thought that would be How does she not nice get... We need a pro tip from Gina. How to not get like that weird line down the middle of the belly? Like, you know, like how do you... do you Does she put makeup <laughs> on it? You know, you the, you know what I'm talking about. Right? your belly? <laughs> I'm asking as a completely disinterested party. Definitely, well, like we, we might have to have her on and ask her one of these days. <laughs> uh, Gina will do anything for this podcast except be on it. Except be on it. <laughs> she has proven herself. Can you blame her though. <laughs> she has proven herself to be an a number one uh, uh, birdhead 
except in terms of getting actually on the podcast. Okay, I'll read a tweet that I loved. Okay. And I sent it to you. The official T Pain account, T Pain yesterday tweeted, uh, this is this oh, yeah. is from T Pain. <laughs> Just sat here and mind fucked myself into embarrassment by thinking of how recent it was when I found out it's not lack, toast, and tolerant. <laughs> I'm talking like a few years ago. I'm a grown man. Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> I don't. Amazing. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm making myself out to be a piece of shit right here. But I'm gonna say this: what I did not expect in the, any tweet from T Pain is perfect punctuation and spelling throughout the entire (laughs) the entire tweet it looks like it went through a proofreader i know it's only like 30 words 40 words but like just i don't know maybe i'm letting my own biases show against rappers or people in the entertainment industry who are generally are stupid but like this is a very first of all it's comedic gold it's great okay so follow t-pain I mean, yeah, somebody follow, has follow, to. Well, there is one person who could follow T-Pain, and that is Peter Rabbit. Um, I hate this controversy. Did you hear about this? <sighs> is this the rabbit that got flushed down the toilet at the air- no. airport? <laughs> so there, there's a new movie out based on Peter Rabbit, the, the children's story. Oh, is it about like, um, it's like racist against colorblind people? No, but you're close. Okay. Um, there, there is an outrage. Um there's always outrage. Yeah. So what happens in, in this Peter Rabbit is uh, Peter Rabbit uh, and um, this character named Mr. McGregor, played by Don Hall Gleason, uh, they, they're going into war, very like Looney Tunes style war, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, get each other out of this, uh, this house. Um, and I guess at one point it's brought up that uh, Mr. McGregor, is allergic to blackberries so peter rabbit slingshots a blackberry into mr mcgregor's mouth which you know sends him into anaphylactic shock uh and the fuck are we talking about what is (laughs) a a kid's movie is this a dream you had like what is this (laughs) this is just a crazy kid's movie um parents say that this is bullying kids who have food allergies um, and that this movie should be boycotted. And what? Uh, yeah, I hate people. I hate parents. That's what I hate this week. <laughs> we apparently uh, can't handle anything in this world anymore. Oh, um, please. By the way, don't give me that you hate parents shit. Because for every one of those parents out there, for everyone, like first of all, that's five parents that probably had. Oh, a problem I'm, I'm with sure. It. I'm sure that's true. I'm and sure for every one of them, for every one of them, there is a Slate or Salon article every month that's that's from some fucking asshole about like like jerking themselves off about. Here's the reason why I've chosen not to have children. Like that, and it's the same article, <laughs> fucking over and over. Just bitterness, and, and like at this point, there's not a single person out there who's like really getting pressured to have kids. Maybe in like Islamic countries, or like in India, or yeah, in like very specific cloistered, com- com- like like there's nobody out there 
who is getting pressured. I'm sorry, nobody's getting pressured to have kids. I don't think anybody's getting pressured. Like these people write these heroic, fucking self-serving, blowing well, themselves they are heroes essays. If they don't have kids, about they're, they're like, helping the planet. First of all, anybody who has the slightest doubt as to whether or not they should have a kid shouldn't have a kid. Of course, not like barely anybody should have kids, and uh, <laughs> because most people are the worst. But like. Yeah, that's all I got. Fuck those people. Fuck those yeah, articles. Can- it's the same fucking article every month, dude. It's like another Slate or Salon or Vox.com article about, like, I'm a hero. I'm not having ch- I'm choosing to not have <laughs> well, children. Those are the real heroes in this world, let me just say. Let me but, tell you, but, they're but, also the worst people in the world. I'm like, sure they are. They're I, I, I'm horrible. I'm no, but you never wrote an article about it. <laughs> that's true. Maybe you've written like a long Facebook post, but that's pretty. Let, funny. let me just read one one quick thing about this whole Peter Rabbit controversy. I just oh, want to read great. this quote. Um, this is a uh, Sony. It, Poppy. Was, Sony was forced to issue an apology, of course. Um, Wait, what are they apologizing for? I don't get it. That they're apologizing for for making light for a portrayal of of, of anaphylactic a, shock. Yeah, in a movie for making light of a char- of a character having. Uh, a food allergy yeah so this is their apology okay food allergies are a serious issue our film should not have made light of peter rabbit's arch nemesis mr mcgregor being allergic to blackberries even in a cartoonish slapstick way we sincerely regret not being more aware and sensitive to the issue and we truly apologize that's what it's come to <laughs> That's what it's come to. There was a, did I ever tell you the story about the the general counsel f- back in the day in like the in the seventies for the Cleveland Browns, um, the football team, um, with the letter that he replied back to a fan, his the apology that he sent to a fan. No, I don't. So, think so. this fan, some some lawyer, uh, this is uh, November eighteenth, nineteen seventy four. Uh, addressed to from on company letterhead uh, on. Um, On a law firm's company letterhead, one of the uh, partners at the law firm saying, Gentlemen, I'm one of your season ticket holders. He's sending this to the Cleveland Browns, okay, the football team, uh, Mm -hmm. who attends or tries to attend every game. It appears that er that one of the pastimes of several fans has become the sailing of paper airplanes, generally made out of the game programs. As you know, there is the risk of serious eye injury and perhaps an ear injury as a result of such airplanes. I am sure that this has been called to your attention and that several of your ushers and policemen witnessed the same. Please be advised that since you are in a position to control or terminate such action on the part of the fans, I will hold you responsible for any injuries sustained by any person in my party attending one of your sporting events. It is hoped that this disrespectful and possibly dangerous activity will be terminated. Yours very truly, uh, Dale O. Cox. Okay. Got to be related to Johnny, right? This is Cleveland sure. in the 70s? Absolutely. Uh, so three days later, here's the response that was sent um, to Dale O. Cox by uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, general counsel, James E. Bailey. Dear Mr. Cox, attached is a letter that we received on November 19, 1974. I feel that you should be aware that some asshole is signing your name to stupid letters. Very truly yours, Cleveland Stadium. <laughs> That's an incredible, incredible response. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that what happened to that American spirit? That would like fuck Sony, dude. Like what happened to that kind of response? Seriously. 
So what, what do you hate this uh, this week? The Cleveland Browns. No, yeah. I hate uh... <laughs> I mean, now when you get into hate, now there, there I can, I can, I can talk to you. <laughs> I hate Facebook a lot because of uh, the the algorithm changes and the way that they're mm-hmm. sort of enforcing themselves as this weird. Arbit- like who would have believed that when Aaron Sorkin was writing this blowjob movie about Mark Zuckerberg being being a genius and capable of thinking at different levels than everybody else, that all it was going to be was like, oh, another layer in between you and just information, just something in between. Like that's not an invention. There's nothing. Facebook turned out to be such bullshit, and we always kind of knew in the back of our heads that it always would be, but the fact that. Now it can, it's like this uh, overriding power that picks winners and losers in the world of, of, of media is insane. That's one of the craziest things that, that, that we are just sort of taking for granted. Like that that is the way it is. That sucks. Um, I hate that. I hate also uh, one of my favorite comedians who... I've interacted with on Twitter a few times, so I think is a really nice guy, Rob Delaney. His mm-hmm. um his son died this, this I was this about week. to say, yeah. I heard and uh, I just felt really terrible, man. That made me feel shitty. I have, a, I have a kid, obviously, around the same age, so, like, you know, I'm not that you need that to feel bad for somebody, but, you know, it definitely amplifies it sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. So I felt really bad about that. Uh, I felt terrible after I ate Chipotle the other day. So, like, Chipotle's – what happened to Chipotle, dude? Like I don't want to just turn this into like a bunch of st- shitty stand-up riffs, but my uh, my idea had been like I want to open a company called Old Chipotle, and it'll just be Chipotle restaurants from 2014 when they were good, and like that's my idea. <laughs> like, hey, don't just, say anything bad about Chipotle. Chipotle's Chipotle. fucking garbage. It made I my whole Chipotle. family sick. What happened to Chipotle? The food is worse. This is that people fucking, always say that I I don't I don't get it. I, it just I, is. I it. it just is. It's like demonstrably true, and fucking eh, nothing, dude. <laughs> they have allergens in their food. They gave my family allergic reactions, um, and uh, but this is a normal thing, dude. Do you? Have, I would tell you to do this, and I don't even know if this is if this if this will work or not. But Google. A picture of a Subway sandwich in 1994. Those sandwiches were so good, man. They were like luscious, good meat and shit like that. Everything not the bullshit. Not the bullshit marketing uh, photography, the food photography that they use for commercials and stuff. I'm talking about like a real sandwich, the actual sandwich that's the end product when you order. You know, when I was 15 years old and working at the fucking Cary Town Center, and every summer. Or, I mean, every lunch break, I would go get a you know six inch subway uh, roasted chicken breast sandwich. Right, that was a great looking and great tasting sandwich. What they give you now is rubber. It's garbage. No, it's terrible. Same shit. Quiznos. Look at Quiznos. I don't we know don't if you have remember. Quiznos here anymore. Yeah, like we only have like maybe one or two here in Miami, and they suck. I haven't been in years, and the last time I went, they were terrible. So uh, they they're always terrible. They're they're, they're like just sloppy beefy shitty crap smeared onto a like burnt piece of toast it used to be this really tasty fucking great sandwich that they used to make it goes back to this thing where i remember one time people said about the the papa john guy 
like, oh, this guy's a great businessman. And the person that I heard made, made a really good point of saying, like, he's not a great businessman. He just found the threshold of how little cheese you'll accept on your pizza and still think it's a pizza. Like, right. he, he just came up with the shit, like, found that sweet spot where people will still pay eight or nine bucks for a thing, but not have any kind of quality in it. And uh, that's pretty much all the food that we eat, dude. That's like what happened. much. That's the. So what whole... you're saying is the food is like what rap music is now. Like sing songy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, brought it all back around. That's pretty good, right? And then going the food. You're getting your bun on your bun now. You gotta go eat all the chipotle, and then you know that you're gonna find it now. You're gonna get allergies. I'm gonna throw up this food soon. You don't know Fire! nothing about and you ain't gonna come eat this food, dude. <laughs> I don't know why they go. You don't know got the Burger King chicken fries. Yep. <laughs> yep. Is that a thing? Yep. That's what they do now, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yo, dog. Yo, dog. They don't do that. <laughs> Yo, dog. No, that's Michael Payton. Just doing doing an impression of him for no reason. <laughs> Apropos of nothing. Do it again. Yo, dog. Why are you fucking around, man? Why are you trying to kill to me, man? You cannot kill to me. Oh my god.